Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, guys? Welcome to Beyond the Brand Podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Boudreau, here with host Evan Pabuda. I would like to announce I am alive and well, as most of you were wondering from Evan's introduction last Monday. Yes, I stayed in Austin, Texas another day. No, I won't tell you the funny story, but I did take a trip to San Juan, Puerto Rico two days later. We will share those stories in an episode with myself and Evan, but for today's episode, I'd like to welcome Chicago actor and comedian Barry Brewer. He chats about his life in the spotlight, being the first person to know about Ray J's sex tape, very exclusive, and meeting Tiffany Haddish and some funny experiences meeting Horace Grant and also Evan's terrible experience meeting Alan Houston crushing his childhood dreams. So put on your pissing pants, get your popcorn ready, and Brucey boy, take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time! Recording out of New York City, New York. Welcome to the undisputed greatest podcast in the world, Beyond the Brand! I appreciate you, uh, appreciate you coming on, my man. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. But, uh, oh, man, no problem, man. It's my honor, man. Um, so why don't you just, why don't you just, we'll just hop right into it. Why don't you take us a little bit for your background? Uh, you mentioned you're originally from Chicago. So take yeah. us a look at Chicago, how you got into comedy and, and kind of just walk us through. Uh, for sure. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, definitely, man. Born and raised from the South side of Chicago. Um, I always preference the South side, man, because it's a, you know, it's a different place. You know, being from New York is, <laughs> is different from being, raised from upstate or being in Brooklyn or, you know what I mean? The, the areas where you got to really, you know, uh, kind of fight to live, you know what I mean? So um, that's kind of like the South side. And um, I started doing stand-up when I was 19. I started in a church, actually. Wow. Um, I'm a musician. I grew up in church playing drum, saxophone, piano, and all that. Man, I used to play for this little community choir. And, you know, I was always just loving to laugh and act a fool, bro. And it was this guy named Andrew who was like, hey, man, you should do some comedy for the concert. And I was like, what? Now, mind you, by the way, I was a big fan of comedy my whole life. But I, I admired Martin Lawrence, but I never, I guess, put in perspective of being a comic. Um, not really understanding how it moved or how it worked or that it was even a career how people would even get into it. And that, in 19, man, I was trying to find my way. I was on my own. I've been on my own since I was like 16, 17 years old. So trying to, you know, find stability, man. And uh, anyway, I decided to do some comedy for this little church service. And um, I got a standing ovation on my first stand-up appearance. Really? Yeah, man. I did this joke about this old lady. I talk about how my grandma always talk about people and be nice to them in their face. And when they walk away, she talk about them like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> And um, in this character I was doing, my grandmother, I talked about this lady named Sister Palmer. And it was a Sister Palmer there, and I was talking about how my grandma and this character, I was acting out how this lady wasn't matching. And ironically, it was a lady there named Sister Palmer who wasn't matching. Everybody knew it, and it was just, like, hysterically funny to them. Obviously, they knew I didn't know this, so it was even more funny. 
to them. So that's what made it, you know, so funny. And um, I always say, man, I found something I didn't know I was looking for. And at 19, man, I made a decision after that one performance. I said, hey, man, this is what I want to do. And I started trying to find other opportunities to do it. Obviously, it wasn't a whole lot of opportunities in church or clean atmosphere. So I started going to the club, you know, comedy clubs around the city of Chicago, doing it in different places as I got to run into, you know, Little Rail. I don't know if y'all know him, but like me and him was working the clubs together, D-Ray and a lot of Chicago comics that I, um, you know, would just run into all the time and work with in different little rooms in Chicago because it wasn't a lot of comedy clubs here, but it's a lot of rooms like where people create comedy shows on a regular basis. And um, I did that for two years straight, man. And I I felt I really had something special. And I read the story of uh, Jamie Foxx and Chris Tucker and, and all how everybody moved to LA you know, to make it in television or film. And I, it was always between New York or LA, if you want to make it in this industry, like that's where the industry is. And so New York is closer to Chicago. So I don't want to, I'm good. Like, (laughs) you know, I know the winners, I know how that is, you know, just the grind. So, you know, LA looked like a, you know, a more optimistic choice and I wanted to be in feature films. And I know that more more film is there then in New York, more television is in New York. So I moved to LA, man, two years in, 21 years old, never been there, moved there, 21 years old, uh, and just found a little place. My first place I moved was Compton, California. So Barry, let me ask you a question real quick. So we, we were yeah. talking the other day, like a lot of guys and especially guys, like growing up, you mm-hmm. get, um, it's almost like a negative connotation, right? To like want to act, to do comedy, to get on stage and do these types of things. Did you, did you get any like pushback from the people around you growing up in Chicago? That's the thing. I was on my own when I was like 17. So I didn't have a lot of people to kind of speak any negativeness to me, to that, that dream I had, which was probably a positive thing because it could have altered me. Yeah. So I just had a close friend, which was my cousin. And he's like, you going to do what? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go and be a comic. You know what I'm saying? So he's just like, okay, he my age. So, you know, at this point, he's like, whatever, because he's a musician. So, you know, he's open to it. So I can't say I was grateful maybe to have that because I remember just believing. I remember nobody kind of tainting that belief system that I could make it. Yeah. Nobody was like weirded out by it. And obviously, like I said, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have a lot of mentor or mentorship or anybody to, Say, man, maybe you should go to college or this, that, and the third. So, you know, I'm grateful for that. Maybe it was meant for me not to have that so that I could, you know, be believing that dream to to just go for it. Yeah, no, that's great. Because yeah, you know, I, you were talking about it. Like, we grew up, like, as athletes. And, like, as an athlete, like, if you wanted to act or if you wanted to do something like that, everyone would be like, oh, you're a fucking, you're a loser. You're, like, for doing something like that. You know, it's yeah. like, like you said, that negativity kind of creepy simple you didn't have that so that's good and then you and then you go out you make a jump so young and just kind of dive right into it i mean that's yes but let me speak to that though i i agree with you um i was talking to a friend of mine he was saying his mother was kind of discouraging him kind of exactly what you're saying yeah um with that idea of being an actor comedian (laughs) and i understood this i said you know parents and people who've never really lived in the entertainment world don't understand the possibilities and so it's so it's so far-fetched for them that it seems like unrealistic to try to go that way 
and they don't mean any harm, but they just never, I believe a lot of our parents have never chased their dreams because dreams was already always shot down to be just that, but a dream. And so I try to encourage people to, to just be a witness, like, hey man, dreams do come true. And your parents don't mean any harm, but they've never seen it happen. So they can't, they can't give you their, their, their support because they didn't never seen it for themselves. You know what I mean? And they just want to be as safe with helping you as possible. And um, so, you know, my, my, my advice is just to chase your dreams, man. It's true. It, you know, believe it. And you got to believe it when nobody else believes it. Especially now, especially now with media and shit, man. It's like, you can just, you can do it. Like, you can go out there, you can make a name for yourself. You don't have to do it. Like, back in their day, it might have been a little harder. Now it's it like... It was a lot harder, yeah. It's like, bro, like, everything's at the touch of a finger. You know what I mean? Like, you can, you can do it. You just gotta, you gotta put in the work. And that's, that's it. That's, that's it. I agree. And I agree. It's way easier now to reach millions of people than it was before. You can be a star and you don't got have nobody's approval. <laughs> you can get your phone and post something on YouTube and... It, it, you're a totally different person tomorrow. You know what I mean? So you're, you're, you're totally right. I totally agree with that. Yeah. We, we talked to a few social media influencers and you know, their parents had no fucking idea what, yeah, how they made it. <laughs> right. Right. Like, Oh, you're doing this like good for you, but they have no idea what the fuck they're doing. You know what I mean? So right. It's a different totally. world. You know, it's crazy. Bro. Oh man. Night and day, night and day, bro. Like night and day. And you know, I, I do feel very, honored and grateful that we're in this generation that we can as entertainers especially you can kind of call your own shots you know what I mean you can kind of create what you want to create especially as a filmmaker I was a filmmaker early on before I really started to do you know I've been doing stand-up since I was 19 and wanted to do film and television early on before the internet was a thing Mm -hmm. so to see that I don't need paramount pictures to necessarily approve of a concept is a blessing, you know, back in the day, what you gonna do? How you gonna get millions of people to see it? You know what I mean? So, man, I'm grateful for the internet, so for sure. Crazy, but so, so, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, take us back. You move out to LA and kind of take- Yeah, I move out to LA, man, and I just start hitting the clubs. I start hitting the clubs. I start trying to network as much as possible. Um, The first year I moved out there, I I was, I I auditioned for a show called Coming to the Stage on BET. Yeah. this was the second season where Kim Coles from Living Single, um, um, and they had guests, all comedian guest judges. Uh, my guest judge was Ari Spears from Mad TV, Kim Coles, and I think it was Guy Tory. And um, yeah, that was the first year I did like television. So mm-hmm. the first year I moved out there, I got into that. And I also got a, a role in a movie called Lackawanna Blues with Most Def and like Rosie Perez and it was like an HBO movie. Now, you know, I play piano, so I got to play the piano in there. So, so it was just like a real, it was, you know, rough, but it was those moments that was really stand out to me to just, you know, encourage me to know that I belong, you know, and this is what I'm doing, what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, obviously it's tough when you move to a city, you're 21, you're trying to make ends meet, you're trying to find stability, you're trying to network in this place. You don't know anybody, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anybody in the industry, so. Um, but I just really feel fortunate and thank God just for, you know, you know, opportunities and just perseverance helping me get through, you know, to connect to different opportunities. What, what, what is most deaf like? How is he like? Most deaf was the coolest dude ever. I spent, <laughs> I spent two days, most deaf would just hang at the piano because he's such a, obviously he's a, you know, a musician at heart, like obviously just his creativity. So he was listening to me playing. He was asking me to show him stuff. So I, 
after we'll be done like shooting for a break or lunch, he'll sit at the piano with me. And I'm 21 at this time, right? So I'm super young and super like, this is most deaf history, bro. This is most deaf, bro. And he was just like, hey, show me that, bro. Like, okay. And 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 this is like, it was just like an amazing experience, man. He's like a regular dude, like super funny, super down to earth, like super like you he it was as though he was just like a regular person, bro. He wasn't he didn't carry himself like, oh, I'm most deaf. He was just like, what's up, man? Yeah. You know, at first the shock value, like, dude, this most deaf. Yeah. But after him chilling with me, like talking about where I'm from, talking about, he, I told him I was from Chicago. He's like, oh yeah, when I go to Chicago, I like to eat this pizza and telling me his different, you know, experiences and coming to Chicago. It was great. It was a great experience. It was like one of my first experiences of meeting somebody that was popular or, you know, famous. And it was a very like, you know, it kind of set the tone for me just as it relates to celebrity. Like, hey, man, this is how you act. You know what I mean? So shout out to him, man. He was super dope, man. I met him for two days. I suppose he got his number, but I was so tired because we was working from like three o'clock afternoon to like seven o'clock the next morning. So the, he was like, make sure you get my number. And man, I was so tired. Like, you know, <laughs> I forgot to get his information. So I'm sure I'll run back into him one day. Yeah, that's dope. So you, you haven't kept in touch with him since? No, I never got his number. So I didn't get to come back to set. I only was on set for like three, four days. Obviously, he was filming a home movie. I think he had like a, a, a special part too because he was like the performer. So I don't, I ain't seen the movie in a long time, but I don't know how long he was supposed to be on set. But after you're done, you can't just like, I mean, I guess I could have just walked back up on set, but yeah. I was young and didn't understand it. So I just kind of forgot. It didn't go back up to the set because I wasn't supposed to work, so I never kept in touch or got in touch with them. From there, and I ran into them since. So you, so you, you mentioned too, like you kind of took that leap of faith, went out that way. Did you, you had no prior acting experience before that? Besides, from never, no acting experience, bro. Uh, you just straight up went out there. You said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try out for this shit." <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it was, bro. Like as a stand-up, like, I always admired, like, certain actors, I mean, comedians that were, like, very theatrical, like Martin Lawrence, and so I think that my acting developed within my stand-up, but I never took any classes. I didn't go to school for it. I didn't take any theater classes or anything, man. I just kind of, I, I honestly say it's a God-given gift, to be truthfully honest with you, bro. Like, I can't only attest it to that, because where I'm at and what I know now, you know, I obviously, when I got to L.A., um, a few years in, I did go and take some acting classes just to kind of learn, you know, certain certain fundamentals of yeah. acting. Um, but I was always very, uh, it was always very complimentary of my my acting. But I just always thought acting was just being as realistic as possible. You know what I mean? Like, that was kind of my concept. So I think it worked well for me <laughs> in that world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. And then after that, I mean, kind of walk us through what happened next. So that was kind of like the starting point, that show on BET. That was the starting point, what, right. What, so next, what other avenues did you go into after that? So from there, a few years down the line, another show comes about because coming to the stage was a comedy competition. Mm -hmm. I only went one round. You know, I had a great set, but it was a, it was a unique process. And the next few years passes, I get on a show called Who's Got Jokes. Right. Who's Got Jokes was hosted by a comedian named Bill Bellamy. This is a show where my counterparts was Tiffany Haddish, 
Wow. Little Real. It's like all of them, like me and Tiffany sitting down talking like this. <laughs> like, man, like, man, we hope we win, like thinking about what can happen for us. Because um, I could, Tiffany is like my classmate, like literally, because we see each other all day, every day in the club. So people like her, Kevin Hart, I'm seeing these people all day, every day when I'm lifting in LA. Like me and Kevin Hart played play basketball like a billion times, hanging out. Like when I see Kevin today, it's love. You know what I mean? Like it's a very familiarity with each other because the comedy world is like so tight and everybody comes to LA, whether you're from New York or any place around the country, you know, you come to, to LA to do the Laugh Factory or the Comedy Store, which is all the very popular places where all the big comics have performed. So during this time, I'm, I'm brushing shoulders with all of these people. Who's got jokes come about? I win my show. I go all the way to the semifinals. Me, Little Rail, Tiffany Haddish, uh, this comedian named um, uh, George Wilborn is who won all of it, Ron G, all of these different people. Uh, none of us won. George Wilborn wins, which is a veteran comedian that's been doing comedy since Bernie Mac. But anyway, he was on his show. Why, why was he on his show? I don't know. But <laughs> he's from Chicago, a great stand-up. Um, so I, I get to the semifinals on this show. From this show, they do another season of it the next year. And they allow the producers, the, 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 the host, and Tommy Ford, which is on Martin. I don't know if y'all watched Tommy Ford. The late, great Tommy Ford was on Martin. He was on Harlem Nights with Eddie Murphy. He was in uh, Class Act with Kid and Play back in the day. Um, he was like the Pope of comedy where he kind of like the, gives you the rules and stuff. So he brought me back. He said I was his favorite comic that didn't win. So he brought me back the next season, which is like a special show of all the, maybe like four great comics that was on the first season. And I was one of the ones he brought back and I got to do it again the next year. And um, so that was pretty cool, man. I got some footage of him talking about how he worked with all the great comics and why he thought he saw something special in them like he did in me. And that was like a great honor because he worked very closely with Martin Lawrence, very closely with Eddie Murphy. So for him to say that, he saw something in me that he saw in those was like probably one of the staple moments in your career. You've like, that was special. You know what I'm saying? You, look, um, you looked up to Martin Lawrence, so you said, so that's, that's fucking dope too. Oh, my, yeah, my number one favorite comic, bro. Like, uh, I mean, I can, and I got to meet him on one occasion, but like when I say that as a kid, man, how he made me feel, like even as a grown man doing stand up for 18 years, watching his show, watching his stand up, man. He just had such a, it was just so effortless for him. It was just, he has something very special, man, that you, I don't think you can learn. It's just a gift that you have. And he perfected it, man. You know what I mean? And so in his heyday, bro, I, he's like MJ to me or anybody you love in sports. Like he was just like, he was special, bro. He was special. So yeah, to, you know, to be connected with somebody that worked with him very closely and saw something in me like that. I was like, cool. Like, I always hope he would see something of me. I hope I can get a chance to sit down and just, you know, pick his brain one day. So, so, so you also wrote, produced, and directed a film with Tommy Ford, right? Yes, yes, man. That came years later. I uh, ran into Tommy at a restaurant, and I was working on a short film. And this is a big part of me. This is like a big part of what I share often, man. I wanted to be in feature films and not often do you get people giving you handouts and helping you. And sometimes you got to take what you got and make, make what you can with it. And I said, man, I want to be in feature films and ain't nobody giving me no looks. This is like 2012, 13. 
and um, I'm, I'm, I wrote a movie and I'm finna do this movie and I'm trying to cast it and I'm trying to get some looks in it. I cast a lot of my comedian friends and I see Tommy Ford and I'm with my girl. And I was like, I should ask him to be in the movie. But I'm like, you can't ask Tommy, man, this is the dude from Harlem Nights from Martin. Like, you, you ain't got no money. Like, I ain't got no money, right? <laughs> like, I ain't got no money to play Tommy Ford. Are you serious? So I see him at the restaurant. Obviously, he remembered me from the show. Um, so he's like, oh, hey, Beard, how are you? You know, very cordial. You know, we don't got no close relationship. I don't got his phone number, nothing. And he just knew me from the production. But I go up to him, man. He's such a nice guy. I say, hey, man, I just want to ask you this. I, you know, because my dad, my dad wasn't really present in my life. But the one thing my dad told me as I got older, and I always remember this, the best advice, he said, what's the worst a person can say? But no. No, exactly. So, so that gave me the confidence to go ask him. And I asked him, man, he said, yes. I was like, you going to do it? <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. when I asked, That's how we feel when we ask people to come on the show. We're like, we're like, all right, bro. What's the worst they can tell us? No. Everybody can tell us to go fuck off. Like, I mean, all right, fuck it. Exactly. <laughs> and that's not that bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly, bro. And so um, he's like, yeah, I'll do it. And so when he said that, I'm like, wait, he must think I got a budget. I was like, wait, 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 wait. I don't got no money. <laughs> I was like, hold on, let me let you know. He's like, that's all good. Just and I told him where it was. We were shooting like in Ontario, California, which is like 40 minutes away, 45 minutes away from, from LA. He's like, don't worry, just give me some gas money. I I'll come. I was like, for real? That's it. And when you in LA, it's different than New York. New York people, y'all real. If y'all say y'all gonna do something, no matter who they are, like. If Jay-Z said he's going to do something like, just the New Yorkers, they say what they mean, they mean what they say. If they're going to mess with you, they just tell you no. Yeah. But in Hollywood, people say yes all the time, and they don't genuinely mean it. Yeah. So, but this guy failed, got his person to get assistant to me and to communicate with me, showed up on set, wasn't Hollywood. You know, we had some complications. This is my, this is my second short film I shot, so I'm working with a very minimal crew and you know, we ain't that professional. I'm learning on the fly. You know what I'm saying? So we're trying to make sure everything is right for him. He was so cool, man. We had a little delay. He was like, I'm chilling, man. No worries. And he was just so cool, man. It was such a blessing. Bro, I can't. I, and all I can say is it's a blessing, bro, because it's like, those are the stories that I'm like, man, those would go down in the history books. You know what I mean? And, you know, rest his soul, man. I was just so grateful to have worked with him. To, I'm so glad I asked and to, you know, just to have that moment with him, man, when he's on set, we got to ask him questions about working with Martin and stuff like that. And he was just the super coolest dude ever, man. I was so grateful for that experience. So, yeah, that was pretty dope. Yeah. So, so you said that was your second film. What was it? What was huh? It? You said that was your second film? That was my second film. My first film was when I was 21. Uh, it's called The Parking Lot. I don't have that out, but I have DVD of it. Um, <laughs> it was about a comedian moving from Chicago to L.A. to be a regular at this club that a lot of people get discovered at. So imagine like the comedy store. Comedy stores where a lot of great comedians get discovered. So it was about, I just kind of moved it about my life, but I made it about this club that I've been working at. Cause this was a true story. I moved to LA, I was a parking lot attendant for this comedy club called the Comedy Union. It's the only black owned club in LA. Um, and um, I uh, worked the parking lot and I wasn't really getting on stage because he didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was trying to do what I can to work close and stay close with 
And this is a thing that happens. A lot of people do this at the comedy store because they get stage time when they work for the club. And so I got on stage. And in the movie, basically, this comedian, uh, it's a big, it's a, some investors coming out. I wrote this movie, some investors coming to invest into this comedy club to make it a franchise across the nation. I'm sorry, somebody's calling me. <laughs> and basically his main comedian don't show up. And so he's, he don't have nobody there, there's no comedian, I'm there. And I get the opportunity to perform and I do a great job and I end up getting my own night at the club. It's the concept of the movie, but it's called The Parking Lot. It's a 30 minute movie. That was my first movie I did when I was 21. And then The Parking Lot, I mean, then The Perfect Plan with Tommy Ford was the second short film I did. Yeah, you might have to send us that first one. That sounds like a dope. That's like kind of loosely yeah. based off your life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I will. I could definitely send you that, man. I would love to. I would love to send you that. Yeah. I definitely can send it. I should upload it too to YouTube just because to show people like the early days. It's, yeah. It was cool. It was pretty cool. So you, you mentioned too, you worked with Tiffany Haddish as well. You guys were like talking like this. Like, what was she like back then? Because she had a crazy story too. Very much. Oh my God. Tiffany, I just ran into Tiffany All Star Weekend too. Uh, she, I had my son with me. She was like, I remember when he was in the belly. My son's 10 now. Um, Tiffany Haddish has always been just who you see. Like, that's a true testament of somebody being truthful to who they are and making it. Like, not changing, not wavering for anybody. Like, she isn't, she don't put on the act. That's why that movie was so dope that she got killed. She killed it because it wasn't anything but her being herself. Like, genuinely. Um, she was always a very sweet person, very nice, very humble, very uh, encouraging. You know what I'm saying? Like she had a rough life. Obviously, she was a foster child and, you know, going through all the challenges that I think a lot of, I'm sorry, just inner city black youth go through. And her issues was even stacked on top because she was a foster child. But um, in my experience with her, like I said, she always was very complimentary of me. I remember her sitting down just you know, giving me good encouragement, telling her, she was telling me how my, my stage presence was, uh, telling me she was going to come to my church one time. She did tell me that she didn't make it, but this is early on, like, yeah. uh, uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, it was just, we would see each other in the clubs and just talk, and if she see me perform, or I see her perform, we'll give each other tags for jokes. You're like, oh, you should do this on that part, or you should do that on this part. Um, it just was nothing but love. Like every time I see her, it's just like, like she's actually one of the stories that makes me very excited because it's like, it's a, it's a like, it shows you like dreams come true. Like it's so encouraging, bro. So I think it's so uh, dope, like you guys, you guys all came up together and you're like, you guys are all there like supporting each other. You know, that, like at, at that time, you know, people could have been like rivals, like button heads, like, oh shit, I don't really want to help them out. But it seems like you guys are pretty tight, which is dope. Like you guys all were rooting for each other to succeed, which is great. I, I do feel like that in this in this generation or this class of comics, not everybody, but those specific ones, especially Tiffany, is somebody who um definitely was rooting for other people. That's why I think she's been so blessed. And she was like that way before any success came her way. Yeah. On Who's Got Jokes, she sat me down and told me what I told you about my stage presence and that I was special. Yeah. She said that to me. And she, you know, Chief, it was just Tiffany, you know, and I was just like, thank you. know, I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, it, ain't, it don't mean much, you know, like, it's grateful for your peer to tell you that, but you're like, thank you. Yeah. You're like, I'm trying to get it too, you know what I mean? But, yeah. you know, it means even more now, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. 
Like for sure, yeah. So do you yeah. still keep in touch? Or you say you like you just ran into her? At, uh, yeah, I keep in touch. We follow each other on social media. Um, I say I saw her in February. I have a number, um, but you know everybody calling her. So uh, I I was talking to her a lot more early on, like right when she started to 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 get a big. So now just I see her when I see her in the club. She still be in LA. We still see each other in the comedy clubs. We saw each other at the um at the All-Star Weekend, she took pictures with my son, because my son noticed her, and he wanted to take a picture with her, and she was, she, she don't, she don't act very, you know, when you see her, like, she like, what's up, like, she don't like when you act, you know, my son, she was grand, but, you know, people, when they have relationships with you, they don't like that you, they don't want you to look at them as though they're, like, up here and you down here, they want you to kind of, hey, we, hey, we, we family, what's up with you, are you good, that's good, you know, what's going on with you, catching up, things like that. That's dope. So, yeah. uh, so after that, that second, um, the second show you were on, what, what was next? Because I, I see here too, you were also on that Netflix uh, TV movie with, with Kevin Hart. So did you have a chance? Oh, Kevin Hart. Yeah. Kevin Hart's Guide to Black History. And Tiffany was on here too. Yeah. Um, we, we taped at different times though. Um, so that was a very just audition moment. Somebody called me. I got an audition for it. I went and auditioned. Um, shout out to Amber. Um, Bickham, who was the uh, casting director for that, um, and she, she, you know, she, I earned it. Like she's just like, you rocked it, and I got the part, and um, that was it. Like it wasn't like Kevin gave me something. I never even, I wasn't on set at the same time as Kevin because we did our scenes differently. But um, it was, it was super blessing to do it. Uh, I just auditioned, got the part, did my job. And they held it for a long time. That's supposed to came out so long ago. They dropped that like four years later. Yeah. They so, held it. So what, what would you say, when was like the, the point and when you started to see like a huge jump in your following and, and growth? Would you say that around that? Or was it, or it was earlier? Was it no, I feel like it happened like a few months ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I personally don't think I'm where I, I guess, I don't know. I guess what I'm seeing to be, I don't even feel like I'm where I'm. So maybe people may see me at a different place than I see myself because of what I see for myself. But um, it was a sketch I did. I connected with my boys. They call him Big Ja. His name is Jade Pickett. He's the one who directed my perfect plan with Tommy Ford. Me and him been working since back then. And I did a sketch called When the Whole Crew is Stupid. I don't know if y'all got to see it. But this sketch went viral. Like, I got an audition with Tyler Perry because of this sketch. Wow. Um, I booked the show through that. Um, I walk in the airport and people notice me. I walk in Best Buy or Home Depot this last week and it's just an overwhelming response from the sketch. All the stuff I've done on TV, I've done a show called Games People Play with Lauren London and all the things I've ever done on TV. I've never seen the notoriety that I've seen with this sketch that I did called the when the whole crew is stupid, which is on like YouTube and Facebook. And um, that's when I saw things turn, like maybe this past summer, like a little bit before the summer, summer like springtime last year. And it was then when I started to see like more of a push for my following and just, you know, more things started to turn on around for me. Like I had already did the show, but that sketch online showed me that the internet reaches more than every, any network right now. YouTube can reach more than any movie or television show because YouTube is free. 
and it's more users and more people, you know, have that accessibility to it. 100%. Yeah, that, that received over, what, 25 million views? Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane, bro. I mean, grown men, <laughs> I've never seen so many grown men so excited to see me, bro. Like, it's weird. <laughs> You know, because me and we not we're not very starstruck. Even if we saw like our favorites athlete, like we'd be like, "Oh, bro, that's such and such." And, you know what I mean? Like that's the only time we might feel like that. Like if you were yeah. a fan of Tom Brady or Michael yeah. Jordan, or LeBron James, or Steph Curry, anybody, like you, like, "Oh, bro, can I take a picture?" You know, you still cool. So to get that kind of response from grown men, it's it's. I mean. And this is all type of men. I'm in Indiana driving to a show from Chicago to Ohio. And I'm in this hick town, white hick town. <laughs> I am in the gas station getting gas. This white man with these overalls, I'm a black man, so you got to understand. Me riding those areas, I'm a little nervous and cautious. You understand? Yeah. Like, like, I ain't too far removed from life. Like, I still know what exists <laughs> in other parts of the world. So he walk up to me, he's like, I know you. In my mind, I'm on the defensive. I'm like, man, you do not know me, right? <laughs> he's like, you be on the sketches. I can't wait to, and this man ain't got teeth missing, <laughs> dirty, dirty overalls with a, I mean, just very stereotypical of a white kick guy. Yeah. And he was so excited to see me, man. He's like, can I please take a picture with you? He FaceTimed his wife. She looked just like the stereotype, and they look, and he was just ecstatic. He's like, I watch you and Big Job. I was like, you do? You watch me? He was like, man, we love the beasts and the mouses. He's doing the sketch. <laughs> and I was just like, that is great. Like, to see that this, and that's when I, I mean, I'm just starting to buy into music, television, entertainment reaches past colors, barriers it touches a place that you can't even i'm sorry people keep calling it touches places that you know you can't even block off so it was just such an honor so yeah man to see these grown men reacting i was like that's when i felt something turn i was like okay but that's like that's like how i used to react as a kid when i would go to training camp like the jets training camp and meet the players like that's how i react but like now so, you're older you feel kind of weird doing shit like that right like you yeah you can't, you can't really do that shit anymore <laughs> yeah we went <laughs> We went to uh, we went to a Knicks game my for my birthday this year. We were courtside. That's dope. Oh, that's tight. And Alan, Alan Houston was right over my right shoulder, bro. I'm a I'm a diehard Knicks fan, right? So I, I'm looking at my boys. I'm like, yo, like that's Alan fucking Houston. Like I, I got right. I went up to him. I went up to him like mad confident. I had, of course, I had some drinks in my system, so I'm feeling myself. I'm like, all right, he's no way he's turning me down, right? For a picture, right? I'm like, yo, Alan, Alan, man, I just want to say what's up, man. I'm a big fan. Dude didn't even make eye contact with me. He's like, yo, man, I'm working right now. I'm like, all right, I just want to fuck myself. And I just walked away. I was like, all right, that's, uh, that's how it's going to go. Bro, if I was yelling Alan Houston, I'm cussing him out for you, just so you know. <laughs> I appreciate that. You gotta yeah, help bro. Out. I got you, bro. Like, I, I hate when people act like that. And that's something I always want to be mindful of, bro. Like, no matter how... And I know I'm going to be even greater than I am now. And I'm believing God to get there, man. I just don't ever want to forget how it feels to be the person who admire the people I admire and understand that you'll be in place where people admire you. And, you know, we all get busy, but to just not ever forget how that feels. So, you know, it's unfortunate. You know, I met Horace Grant. That's dope. I All-Star to, I, Weekend. I reached out to his rep. I'm trying to get him on the show. 
man, bro, I, I hope he gets on the show, bro. He was so nice. So I was low key. So this girl I know, I was getting in. Anyway, I'm gonna just tell you what happened. I'm in this area I shouldn't have been in, but I got there, navigated my way in there. And um, Horace Grant's right there. So I was like, that's Horace Grant. I'm by myself, by the way. I said this out loud. <laughs> he heard me. He's with his, with, with his lady, or I don't know who this is. I don't want his wife be watching. Like, I wasn't there. I don't want to mess up nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he heard me say, that's Horace Grant. He said, what's up, man? He turned around to me. Like, what's up, man? How you doing? You want a picture or something? Like, he was just embracive and just, he, he like, understood. Like, man, you probably, you know what I mean? Like, like not on no arrogant stuff, but just very open and humble to the, to the moment. It can be overwhelming for people who are successful and popular, you know what I mean? Especially when they're in a very open space. But it's never a reason to be rude or nasty, bro. So when I see Allen Houston, don't nobody even know him, no low-key, but people who really watch basketball. So... It ain't like he had a whole fanfare, so yeah, I'm so definitely. For me, for me, I, I grew up Dollar Knicks fan, right? Like, so you're my, from New York, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a basketball I'm, fan, so I know him. Yeah. My mom used to work for Delta. She used to get courtside seats. I was five years old, bro, sitting at these games. Him, Latrell, Sprewell, all those guys. They're my dudes. Wow. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I idolize these guys. So when I see, yeah. them, I'm I'm 24. I see this dude behind me. I'm like, yo, I used to. I'm courtside. It comes full circle. I'm sitting courtside, and that's the dude I used to come watch courtside when I was a kid. at five. Wow. Like, that's special, bro. That changes lives, bro. Like that simple bro, gesture can change. Bro, he he would have he would have made childhood me so ecstatic. If he, all he did was just turn around, take a picture. That's all I wanted. That's all that's all he had to do. And I get it. it. I get it. You know, work for the Knicks. You're doing shit. But yo, they were getting their ass kicked by 30 points with 15 seconds left again. You could have turned around, take a picture, or just said, "Hey." Right. Wait. You know I mean? like, yeah, he could have just, or he could have been very polite about, it, like, "Hey, bro, I would love to take this right now. I can't right now. I'm so sorry." Yeah. Even just to be polite would have been bro, he perfect. Didn't, he, didn't, he didn't even look at me. He was just like, "Nah, man, I can't do that." I'm like, right, I'm just gonna fuck myself. It's cool. And I just walked away. He's like, "All right." The fact that you can't give me eye contact, bro, that's just that's just human respect, bro. Like we're human, bro. Like, bro, if I see Allen Houston, bro, you got my word. I'm <laughs> yeah, you got that's me. on everything. Give me a video, record it. Let me know. I want to see. I, I promise you, I will. <laughs> I want to say, Alan Houston, you mess with my boy, bro. Like, you know, like, <laughs> hey, take a picture right now. You better, like, we're going to make it. We're going to make them in. We're going to make up for it, I promise. Nice, but, yo, then, there, yeah, then there's guys, there's guys, right, that I've met who have been awesome, right? Like, there's, there's dudes. I mean, a lot of people through this, like, we haven't released an episode yet. We've been recording a lot. But, like, the guys we've met and talked to through here are dope. They're like, they're like, yo, I don't know if you know, like, remember Julian Wright played in the NBA for a little bit? He yes. Yeah. He's like, yo, I just opened a facility. We were talking about that. He's like, yo, I want you guys to come down, check it out. There's a lot of guys who are open and like, and it, like that's, that's a blessing, bro. That's how it should, I get, I get it. Like, we have a show, we're talking to you, but that's how it should be for everyone, you know? Like, and I, get I totally it. agree. If you overwhelm, a lot of people would come up to you. I have friends where I go out to dinner with them, and they're they're athletes and things like that. And people interrupt our dinners. That's a little much. Like, but in the right timing and everything, you know, there's a way yeah. to be polite about it too. I agree. With but you. even I agree. But even in the moments that. I tell my friend, my boy, Big Ja, he's really popular. Like, Big Ja is very big. Like, he's very unique in his whole physique. So if you see him, you know exactly who he is because of the success. And he got a big following. He got, like, a million followers on all platforms. And he's very humble, very nice guy. But he, he lives in L.A. He's from L.A. So when he travels out of side of L.A. is when he's trying to see his. And he's somebody who got a great story, too, man. I would love for y'all to have him on here. And um, um, he, <laughs> I can tell, it was getting to him when we was we was doing a tour last summer, 
and it was just overwhelming to him. You know what I mean? Because sure, for sure. Yeah, but he still is a good person. I think he still handled it very well. He was never rude or mean, or even when he was uncomfortable and really didn't feel like chopping it up. But you know, he was still. I guess that's the point I was making. It was overwhelming for him, but because he was a good person, he still responded with respect and for even if I can't do something for the person, they understood and still could love and respect him and admire him after the fact. You know what I mean? Yeah. All I wanted was some eye contact from Alan Houston. That would have been good. You know? I know. That's why Alan Houston, bro, we, we coming for you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do my boy like that, man. I get it. Cause you know, like I was saying, I met, I met dudes, really good dudes. Like, I mean, and there's sometimes like, it takes a lot for me to really get starstruck, right? But like this one time, I was in a I was in a car ride with Kobe Brissett for like two hours. We're going uh, going to a Notre Dame game. Actually, he's coming with him. Uh huh. I, I looked at my best friend driving the car. Jacoby's in the back. I'm like, Yo, Jacoby, I listen, man. I I gotta ask you, and I promise you, I'm never gonna ask you any like nerdy sports questions again this whole trip. I just need to know. I was like, What's it like playing with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? And my friend was like, Yo, you don't gotta fucking ask him that. Like, blah blah. blah. And he's like, he's like, nah, bro, it's cool, it's cool. And it was dope. But it, it also, too, depends on the environment of the people you're with, too. You know, like, right. us chilling, it was whatever. But, yeah, nah. Hey, I, bro, I'll tell you this. My all-time favorite, I, I'll tell you this, uh, intro, this meeting. I met Martin Lawrence, right? Yeah, My friend ask, said, I was going to ask you about it because you mentioned it, yeah. And I met a lot of comics. I met some of the people I admire. I met Jamie Foxx. I met a lot of people. But it was nothing like this one. Um, and Jamie was cool too, but Martin, my friend said, Hey, Martin's at the improv in Hollywood. I'm like, I'm on my way. I get to the comedy club. I see Martin in the thing. I'm ready. This is how old am I? I'm gotta be like, Ooh, I'm like probably five years in LA. So I'm maybe 24, 25, maybe. And Martin's coming out. I'm ready. I got everything I want to say. Bro, Evan, I got everything ready. I'm like, because I want to pick his brain. I've been wanting to do this forever. Yeah. So, I, bro, I was so nervous when he came out. I asked him on a date. I was like, can I take you out to eat? Like, that's <laughs> what came out, bro. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, the inside of myself, I'm like, what are you saying, bro? He's going to think you're gay, bro. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> hey, you're picking him a female. Hey, bro, Martin looked at me. And I was so nervous, bro. He looked at me as though he understood. He's like, he's like, you a comic? I said, like, yeah, 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 I'm a comic. Because I never said none of that. I just asked him out to <laughs> eat. You didn't even say your name. You're just like, yo, you want to go out to eat sometime? That's exactly what I said. Bro, it was crazy. And he's like, you a comic? I said, like, yeah. He's like, where you from? From Chicago. And then, you know, I started talking. Nipsey is his bodyguard. His wow. name is Sean Lampkin. He was with him. He said, get his number. I got Nipsey's number still today. And he's like, uh, we're doing this show called First Amendment, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to put you on. And gave me an opportunity. And I got to submit my tape. I didn't get the show. Obviously, I had to go through some other channels. But the fact that the first time I met my, my, somebody I idolized, his first opportunity, he gave me an opportunity or tried to. And so forever, I'm, I'm appreciative of that. That's dope. So, you know, I mean, you, you just dropped Nipsey in there, too. Tell us a little bit about that. Like, have you, have you, did you connect with him a little bit after that before? He, he passed away, or are you talking about Nipsey Hustle? I was talking about Nipsey from Martin, which oh, is Sean Lapkin. That's fucking crazy. I thought, I thought. But I have, I have connected. I did connect with. So I was working. I saw Nipsey's son every day, um, 
weeks before Nipsey passed because I was working with his girlfriend, Lauren London. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I work on a show called Games People Play, which is just, uh, uh, it's on, it's, it was on BET. Lauren London was the lead in the, in the show. So she brought their son to set every day. So we in the, you know, room. I, I ran into Nipsey early on at his store because I used to live around, like around South Central. So his store was like down the street, like I would say seven minutes away from my house. Uh -huh. So I've seen him at the store before and he's, you know, a cool dude. Um, he came to set the last day of set, but I didn't have to work that day. They said everybody spoke very highly of how nice he was and how down to earth he was and how he cared about the community and things like that. And um, I mean, obviously he was doing a lot in that community because I was in that community very frequently. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, and then weeks later, I think a month later or weeks later, he, 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 he got shot and killed. But yeah, bro, I did get to kind of cross paths with him a lot. And I was really sad because I got to see his son like literally for three months, almost every day, bro. And uh, see that little boy and know that that little boy, you know, won't be able to, you know, see his dad and, and be with his dad as he grow into a young man. You know, it's very heartbreaking. And, and my heart goes out to him and his, you know, and Lauren for sure, man. She's a beautiful spirit too as well. But we were sitting there having our debates about, you know, life and stuff like that. And, you know, so yeah, man. Have you have you have you reached out there since? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, me and um, Jackie Long, who's a friend of mine, who they played in um, ATL. I don't know if y'all ever saw that movie, mm -hmm. but they're very close. And um, I, I reached out to her um, and talked to her the day the show came out. And um, I haven't talked to her since then. But our show came out like um, like two months later, and I kind of gave her a little break, and then we reached out and talked to her, and she told us that she was doing well. She responded say she was holding up and things like that we was actually supposed to see each other this past month um for our second season for the table read but everything got shut down so i would have saw her yeah. um was like actually, a month ago i was actually supposed to be out in la this week i was supposed to be out for business but uh um, shit just fucking everything up right now but, yeah bro yeah we're gonna be back and going soon how is it out in la is it, is it it's probably not like here but well i'm in chicago right now oh, uh, I, i've been out here for like two weeks in chicago but in LA, it's pretty chill. Um, you know, ain't nobody listening. I mean, but <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was in Chicago. I was in Chicago the like the week they announced the first lockdown, like that week. Oh, okay. Week. So I was out. Yeah. There, and I was like, I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm going to Chicago. I'm working from home. Like, fuck it, I'm gonna go. And I went yeah. out there, and then like they started shutting down all the bars and shit while I was out there. I'm like, ah, oh, it's pretty serious. I probably should fly back. That's why I changed my flight and flew back earlier. But yeah. Yeah, they shut down everything. I mean, obviously, some things is I, I'm in the suburbs, but yeah, it's pretty much shut down like everywhere else. Um, even in Chicago, um, in LA, they the same, and New York. I mean, obviously, the cases are a little more severe there where you all are, but everything's pretty much shut down. Nobody's doing nothing, so uh, you know, unless the essential jobs. But it's just chill. Obviously, it's still nice weather and beautiful skies there. But yeah, yeah. yeah it's crazy. I'm telling you, it's, it's literally like Gotham City out here. But yeah, bro. It's gonna get better, bro. We're gonna stay optimistic, man. So, uh, so what's what's next for you, man? Like, what's what's coming down the pipeline for you? Um, I got a show coming out um on BT Plus called with Tyler Perry. The show I was telling y'all audition for. I'm the lead, and it's called Bruh. Oh, nice. Um, so that's huge. We we shot like 24 episodes this past fall. Um, so that's really dope, man. It's my first leading role. What's it like working with Tyler Perry? Man, bro, it was fun. 
Tyler Perry told me the first day, um, he's like, have fun. And when you tell a comedian that, bro, it's over. You feel me? Like, I'm about to go crazy. It's like the green light to be yourself. He gave me the green light, bro. Tyler Perry gave me the green light to be myself, man. And it just was great. Um, I learned a lot as a filmmaker. I learned so much in watching him. He's such a, uh, he's a, he's a creative, you know, he's such a creative and he, you can tell he really likes other creators and allow them to create, you know? So all my scenes with him was very fun. Uh, my castmates, they have different experiences. They're not standups, they're just actors. So um, just alone, but my experiences, cause he's such a comedian, like he's really, like I got to see how funny he really is. He's so quick, he's so witty, he's, he's special for sure. Like it's like working closer with him, you see why he's where he is. Like you get it, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. He's really brilliant. Yeah. Um, to see his studio, the movie studio that he's built, man, it's so inspirational, man. As a young black man, just aspiring to be there, man, was just like, again, dreams really do come true. Like you just, it's, it's a living thing. Actually, he has a building called the Dream Building, um, which is where I got to work. And um, being an actor, man, before I left, they put some scenes of my show on the wall of the building. And so that was like, it's kind of like one of those moments in your career, you're like, I'll never forget this. You know what I'm saying? So it was great, man, working with him. I look forward to uh, doing some some promotional stuff. Obviously this kind of slowed down everything, but we just had did a promo thing with BT. So hopefully y'all see some billboards in New York w with me on it and stuff like that. What's, uh, so other, have you had any other projects before all this shit went down other than that? That's been like your main focus. Uh, my main focus, uh, my main focus ultimately is to build in the television and film world and um, prepare for my second stand-up special. You know, I don't know if y'all got to see my first stand-up special. It's on Am Amazon Prime, um, Chicago, I'm home. Shout out if y'all ain't watched it, whoever listening, go check that out. It's streaming free. Um, it's going to be on television too. The CW just did a deal with me. Um, so it'll be on, on network TV. But um, my next thing would be preparing for my second stand-up special and, you know, obviously building my, um, my, my, you know, social media platform. So I'm always putting out two sketches a week on my social media platforms on YouTube and Facebook. So uh, when you say the biggest or what's next, it's like, you know, I'm working on the second season of games people play. So whenever that picks back up and, uh, hopefully some feature films down the pipeline. Um, I'm actually writing a feature film myself uh, right now that you'll probably, I plan on shooting that this fall. So that should come out sometime next year. I, you, I was going to ask you, are you still looking to get into filmmaking and stuff like that? But yeah. Oh, very much so. Very much so, man. Um, that's my heart. This would be my first feature film. Obviously, I've done a lot of short films mm -hmm. uh, of my own. And the feature film is obviously a lot more time and task of, you know, of a job. But I'm writing this feature. I'm very excited. I'm a musician as well. So this is going to be a very musically driven movie, but it's going to be, you know, kind of like a mixture of power and empire as a feature film, if you will. So, um, let me ask you a question. Cause I, I used to think this too a lot. Like I would, me and my friends, we would be bullshit, whatever we'd smoke or something. We'd be like, Oh yeah, that'd be a funny ass movie. If we made a movie about that. Like where do you, where do you draw the inspiration for a lot of these ideas? Sketches, oh, man. everything. Different places, but mainly life mainly experiences. Sometimes it'd be just random ideas that come to your mind. Yeah. Um, 
the sketches especially is just be like random situations that's happened. And sometimes just sitting there thinking kind of how you, when you just chilling shooting the stuff and it just comes out. But yeah. boy, that'd be crazy if this situation happened like this and just bringing it to life and then kind of letting it evolve organically as you starting to put the pieces together. So that's how movie since you know, has come to life in my, even in my standup, I feel like it's exactly that. Real life mixed with some imagination and you sit there and make it something special and try to develop it for something to be very entertaining. Yeah. yeah. You uh, mentioned a little bit about your you know, music career. Yeah. To film and television. You were what, a songwriter, producer, played yeah. on for seven years. Um, you what? Worked with artists such as Ray J. So talk yeah. about those experiences. Yeah, man. Um, so I was in Detroit to shoot a movie that I didn't get to do. Uh, do y'all know Brandon T. Jackson? Yeah, uh, Brandon T. Jackson was in Tropic Thunder with um, Ben Stiller and Jack Black and wait, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, yeah, wait, wait, who was he? Who was he in the movie? He was the he was the the rap star with the, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. booty juice. Yeah, the one who turned out to be gay at the end or something. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so me and Brandon T. Jackson moved to L.A. at the same time. Me and him was like best of friends. He's a stand-up comedian as well from Detroit. We moved to LA at the same time and he had got his first major role. He's going to do this independent film, but he had booked Roll Bounce with Bow Wow. I don't know if y'all ever saw the movie Roll Bounce. It's like a skating movie with Bow Wow. And um, he couldn't do the movie anymore. So he gave it to me and told the director that I would do it because I was a comedic actor. So I fly down, I fly myself down because it's independent movie. But you know, you're just trying to get your feet wet and you know, build whatever content. Long story short, while I'm down there in Detroit, Brandy is performing, and who's in the hotel is Ray J. Ray J is staying at the same hotel. I'm in the lounge playing on the piano. Uh-huh. Ray J's like, man, you dope, man. So Ray J's just sitting there chilling with me, and I'm like, man, this dude's super cool. Mind you, I'm a big fan of Brandy. I've been always. Brandy, Rodney Jerkins, Full Moon album is just like everything to me as far as my inspiration for production and songwriting and um so ray j heard me playing man he's very i was like man i don't live here i live in la he's like you live in la so we connected he gave me his number and we kept stay connected so i stayed in the studio and i started showing ray j how to play the piano actually (laughs) and from that i I wrote some records for him and for brandy um they didn't make the records but we got to really work very closely in that space and I just you know kind of developed a close relationship with Ray J and Brandy and all of them so they were very very nice people uh uh I guess I I think Ray J is not who people really know him to be he's actually like a really really nice dude I wish he would promote that more but yeah (laughs) no uh so aside from him being like a dope dude which I have read did you ever talk to him about the sex tape that got out Okay, I'm going to tell y'all this, bro. I've never said this in anything, okay? So, I was with Ray J coming from playing basketball. We was in his Bentley. And this is a story I've never said off, so y'all getting exclusive right now, okay? Um, Ray J and Kim had just broke up. Ray J is calling Kim. He keeps calling her. He kept getting her voicemail. He's like, I'm trying to get this tape. 
we did a tape. He's telling me it's only him and I in the in the in the in the um. So you so the, you you essentially were the first person in the world to know about the sex tape before anyone else. Other than him and Kim, yes. Wow. All right. He he said, Ray J. I hope he don't get mad at me. He told me he's like, bro, if they give me a million for it, I'll give it to him. <laughs> I'll do, for, I'll do it for five grand, bro. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> bro, I said, yeah. He's like, yeah, we did this tape. She got the tape. I got to get the tape. If they give me a meal for it, I'm going to do it. He wow. tells me this. God is my witness. He told me this. I was like, for real? So I don't know how extensive the tape is. Like, he's just talking of it. He didn't go into details of what he told me it was a, a tape, but... I'm not thinking it's a sex tape, sex tape. Like, you know, maybe them playing around, you see a titty or two, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. So time passes by and this big thing happened with the tape. And I was like, that's the thing he was talking about. It was literally a whole movie. Yeah, it was a whole movie. (laughs) It's one thing to hear it because you're not really, you can't see, you know what I'm saying? But once I kind of came to it, came out, I'm like, this nigga did it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so truthfully, yes, I did hear about it. It was a whole thing when he was making sense of it. So, yeah, I was actually in his car talking to him about it. And he was trying to get it because Kim had it at the time. So and they had, I guess they was at his, his place, yeah. That was like a that was like a premeditated move by the Kardashians. Like they were like, this is what we're doing. And, and yeah, and I don't want to put them out there, but yeah, man, you know how she was trying to make it like it just got out, but no, bro, they had she had to sign off on that, bro. Wow. So did you talk to him after it came out? I have talked to him several times after that, but not about it. Not about that, okay. <laughs> no, yeah, it's weird. Like, first of all, I don't want him to know, like I, I didn't watch it really. Like I saw a little bit of it. <laughs> But I don't want to see my boys. I ain't tripping. Like we smash. Like it's just, it's just weird, bro. Like I ain't want to watch it like that. Bro, I was looking at you. I was looking at you. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, hey, yeah. So how you say, hey, you know? Like I didn't, I didn't want to. Yeah, but yeah, that's my bro, man. I love him. He a good dude. Like yeah, and you know, good dudes have sex tapes. So I guess. <laughs> Thank you for that uh, exclusive story. That's dope. It um, was an exclusive story, man. And it's a true story. And, and right here, a real one. So he'll be like, yeah, that's true. That's what happened. So. That's dope, bro. But, yeah, bro. Uh, yeah, you also recorded two studio albums, right? I did. I did. Um, I actually about to drop the second one. It's called Conquer Goliath. The first one is called, um, uh, what did I call it? Dive In. Yeah. Um, I just put that on noise trade though. It was just something I don't, I never been a person to push my singing side as much as I am about to, because um, I've always wanted to just produce and songwrite and kind of create with the artists. I never saw myself as an artist, but I will say that I was inspired by Childish Gambino, Donald Glover when I saw Guava Island. Mm -hmm. And from that, this next album, I was inspired to go in the studio and create what I wanted to create. Because, you know, Donald Glover is a stand-up. He's obviously an actor and a musician. He's a lot of things. And I started to see, like, if you have the gift to do things, you should just express yourself in all those gifts. And you shouldn't feel like you can't be. Because in my mind, artistry was always, like, Chris Brown, uh, Trey songs, you know, like, well, there's different ways to do it. Different it's different ways to do it. And I don't think I had that perspective initially. So now that I have, 
I can still be myself and do music and the way I would like to present it, then um, uh, I do so. So yeah, this album be called Conquer Goliath. And it's like more of an inspirational, motivational type of album. It's about my journey. It's about believing in my dreams. It has, uh, you know, some love, a love song on there, but it's mainly about like, it's just very like inspirational, motivational type of stuff. Conquering your fears, basically. That's why I call it Conquer Goliath. So, yeah. I, I, I don't want to keep you for too much more time, but as we wind down here, um, I also see you're big in, um, in philanthropy. You do a lot of uh, philanthropy work. So I read about you. Uh, you did like a stand-up special where you provided $1 million in, to Chicago schools. Tell us a little bit about that. Maybe some <laughs> other philanthropy work you have going on. Yes, and just to clarify, the uh, goal was a million dollars. I didn't actually give a million dollars. Just to be clear, uh, I was trying to raise a million dollars to give to Chicago public schools and two schools, preferably on the south side of Chicago. And one school is a school of the arts. And it's not a lot of arts school that helps with theater and different things like that. And this is one school called Diet High School, which is on the south side. Mm-hmm. And it's this other school that my eighth grade teacher works at on um, Longwood um, um, on the south side of Chicago that I chose to try to raise money. So and doing so like you know all the proceeds would would go to them which did so um but yeah man my whole thing is I was raised on the south side of Chicago I never had a lot of opportunities as we were talking about as we talk about how people don't know how to chase this dream and when you hear that hey I want to be an actor I want to be a comedian that sounds like far-fetched for most people and so I want to raise awareness and give money and you know and chance the rappers doing that but just give more awareness to it's a lot of kids and people that are gifted in these spaces that won't ever go and aspire to see those things come true. I heard this saying from Miles Monroe and it says the wealthiest place in the world is the grave because there's a lot of dreams and uh, inventions, books, movies, songs that was never done or written or came to pass because people didn't believe in what they were meant to do. And so I definitely think there's a lot of kids that needs to know that that's to need to see me and Kevin and Tiffany Hart, uh, Haddish and all of these people like, oh, I see that, you know, they kept, we all say, oh, he's the class clown. Like, that's not just a uh, ADD, like he don't got attention issues. He's just gifted to do something more. You know what I mean? They put those kids in special ed, but they're just special. You know what I mean? Mike Epps talks about being in special ed his whole life. Look how gifted he is. You know what I mean? So. That's like, I forget, I forget who we were recording with last week, but that was like a thing in discussion, like I mean, we mentioned before about people, like they come up with these ideas and like 90% of these people don't follow through. It's the 10% of the ones you see are successful because they actually go through with these ideas and these visions that they have. This is some yes. podcast right here is something we've been talking about. We've mentioned on, on previous recordings, but like something we've talked about for years and like now we're finally doing it because we feel like this is what we, we want to do. Like I told him, if we can make this big enough, I would love to do this full time and not and not working more. Like, this is it. Like, this is, I was love. We were scared to be ourselves. Yeah, we were like, afraid to be ourselves. We were afraid what our friends would say. We were afraid what people would do. But at some point, you just kind of grow up and you're like, man. Or how public figures would act. Yeah, like, I'm, just, I'm doing shit because I want to do it. You know what I mean? Like, you just want That's to- it. man you onto it and you will do this for full time man and i just want to encourage you all to keep doing it man and being yourselves man because there's something special in that you'll look back and be so grateful you did you'll have so much more of a fulfilled life because you followed your dream you followed your heart and how to move man and everybody else even if they don't see it right away they'll see it later on i promise you you know but you focus on what's important is chasing what's inside of you man because that's really where the happiness is
I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Yeah, bro. But, but yeah, man, I, I really, I really appreciate you coming on, man. It's been dope. Um, let's definitely, let's definitely stay in touch. I'll be on the lookout for some of your stuff coming out. Um, for sure, bro. Follow me on Instagram at Barry Google Junior. Uh, Barry was dope. Um, Thank you, man. Again, if, yo, if you're ever in New York, hit us up. We were getting that for some merch. That'd be dope. We're all awesome. hey, man. For real. We're gonna send you some uh, some thank you merch. Um, oh man, thank you, man. And please send me all the y'all um, social media stuff so I can follow you back as well. I really appreciate y'all, man. Please keep going, man. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Stay safe and healthy out there. And I definitely got to look at you. We got to go to another courtside uh, New York game and holler at Allen Houston, okay? Seriously, if you're ever out there, let me know if I'm ever out in LA. Oh, for real, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's young folks. Just pardon my manners Girl, how you shake it? Gotta play a life It's a Kodak moment Let me go and get my camera All I wanna know is Sexy can I Hit it from the front Then I hit it from the back Know you like it like that Then we take it to the bed Then we take it to the floor Then we chill for a second Then we back at it Sexy can I Just pardon my Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.